Mesut Özil. Marca Mesut Özil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. It's a beautiful morning here in North London. It's, a, it's actually quite a nice one here in, in Dublin as well. Uh, if I open the window, but maybe if I open the window... Be careful, don't um, fall out. It'll no, make no. it very difficult for me to finish the podcast. Well, there was some nice birds out there a few seconds ago, and in typical style, they've fucked it. Fucked it for me. I was going to, like, Birdsong would enter this podcast and people would get the sounds of summer and they could almost feel the warmth, but they'll just have to take my word for it that it's not completely miserable here. So They'll have to try and believe you. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. You know, I'm dubious about these birds. I think they might be a figment of your... Of your lonely imagination there. I know, I know. But look, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a week. Should we tell them? Tell them. We'll, tell them. Announce away. Okay, well, before I tell them, I'll just tell them that today's show is sponsored by Cornerstone, uh, where you can get excellent razor blades. Uh, they're much cheaper and better than any razor blades you can get anywhere else, basically. And you get £10 mm-hmm. off or your money back if you don't like them. It's a brilliant idea. So go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arsblog. And you get your discounts and all those kind of things, and it helps the podcast. And this week, there's going to be, should we say, an abundance of podcasts? Yeah. Uh, if anything, too many. You, I, people I, are going to be sated, aren't they? I, I think so. I think so. Basically, what we're going to do is, given that it's the last week of the season, and we could probably do some themed shows like the best of the season, the worst of the season, our favourite moments, uh, player reviews, and all those kind of things. Not that we've given this in uh, any serious consideration or thought or planning. No planning whatsoever, as, as always. But we're going to do an Arscast Extra every day for this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday. And possibly Friday. Possibly Friday. We'll well, have possibly. To, yeah. Why not? Yeah. We'll have to think about see Friday. How, see how it goes. Yeah. Can you have too much of a good thing? This week, we find out. Yes, indeed. So uh, stick with us. An Arscast Extra every single day for you, our beloved listeners. And we're happy to do it for you. We're happy to go that, that extra mile and then the other mile on top of that and then the five miles. And by Thursday, it'll be like running a marathon uphill. So many miles. Yes. So many miles. But but running a marathon, very satisfying because, you know, you get all that nice feeling at the end and you... I presume we're doing it for charity, are we? I mean, we haven't mentioned that, but let's pretend we are. That makes us sound better. It does, but we're not. Okay. I I don't want to give anybody (laughs) false hope here. Fair enough. What's the furthest you've run ever? What a good question. I don't think I've ever run more than... probably about six kilometres. Right. Was that what about yourself? On purpose? Were you escaping, or was it fitness? Or uh, that would have been purely for fitness levels, yeah. But right. I mean, I, I don't think I can. I don't think I've had cause, and I don't think I can run for further or longer than that. What mm. about you? Uh, probably five k or something. I, I guess during a football match, you might run a considerable Maybe. distance. But that's my thing with running: is that I I can't motivate myself to do it unless I'm running away from somebody with a football or running after somebody with a football or running with the football. There has to be, for me, in order to get any kind of uh, pleasure from running, 
a football involved in one way or the other. So I've had an idea for an invention. What's that? It's a treadmill that you run on, mm-hmm. but there's like a football like dangling down from sort of the handlebar bit, <laughs> so that when you're running, you're sort of kicking a ball along with you. All right. It seems, Do you think it would work? It seems a bit awkward, a bit unseemly. It definitely seems dangerous, yeah. <laughs> also, you're wearing roller skates. All right, You have okay. to wear roller skates at all times. Right. Well, I mean, it would uh, at least provide something good uh, for people to look at from a comedy perspective, but... Roller football. Roller that football. That could be a thing, too. Yeah, for sure. Hey, look, we've got like a whole summer. sport. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, guys, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, we're going to be fine this week. Yeah, I keep coming up with ideas like this. No problem. I have to admit, James, that I've been, I've been dreaming of you a little. Okay, uh, go on. I mean, this happens to me a lot, so I'm not too perturbed. But okay. what do you, in what context? In the, in the context of recording the podcast, that about three times in the last week, I've had these really weird dreams where we're recording the podcast, and it, it just keeps going wrong for all kinds of reasons like i don't know you don't have a microphone or you refuse to talk into the microphone or <laughs> rather than recording one big long conversation there's about 700 bits that i have to try and piece together and i'm not Do saying you think it's this is anxiety like you're worried about doing all these podcasts this week What's i think going it could on? be yeah it could be i i think oh, that's well. what it is anxiety dreams and you're featuring in them very heavily I mean, to be fair, sometimes I do forget my microphone and sometimes I do just refuse to speak. Yeah. There are long periods which you have to edit out of the podcast where I just go on strike and won't do it or say anything. People will, people will scoff at this, but just right there, I had, to ju- I had to cut out two minutes of pure sight where you just simply refused to talk. I oh, know, I thought it was brilliant, but yeah. for you, genuinely annoying. No, exactly. It's, it's quite irritating. And I just, it's I never know when you're going to do it. Very literally, the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I might do it now. See, I left a bit in there for people, and uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. They can See. they can experience what I experience. But anyway, I'm sure that this week will be fine. The anxiety will pass, and we will be able to provide uh, people with an audio download that they will enjoy. Now, we're not gonna we're not gonna promise that every Arscast extra is gonna be like an hour. Or any or good. good. Yeah. <laughs> we but never promise that. No, in fairness. You can't break promises that you never make. That's my philosophy on things. Good. That's good. why but I... You will be able to download something every day, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We we make no promises as to its quality or yeah. or veracity or anything else, but there'll be something every single day. And it's literally free. So L- Literally, yeah. Literally. It will be value. It might be value for money. Yes, <laughs> if anything, for sure. Certainly better than Mangala. Better value for money than him. Seamless transition there. Pretty That's good. That's the eh? kind of quality content that we're offering here. Look at that. One minute it was about the podcast. Bang, Mangala. We're onto the football. Yeah. Um, yes, he cost the same as Meza Erzl. Forty-two million pounds. You don't get a lot for that. You don't get a lot of defender for that these days, do you? You, I would expect more defender than Man City got. If I, I would was spending more, f- yeah, forty-two million pounds on a defender, I'd want a guy who could defend first. Mm, interesting. Yeah, Otamendi's not that much better though, is he? And he was silly money too. How much did he cost? I don't know. Loads again, too much. Otamendi joins Manchester City. I'm, I'm googling it. Okay, I'm googling. Here it. we go. I'm yeah. gonna. Sp- I'm gonna see if I can remember. I'm gonna say something like twenty-eight million pounds. 
in the region of £34 million, according to wow. Daniel Taylor of The Guardian. Wow. From yeah. where did they sign him? I think Valencia. Oh, yeah. 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 Central defenders are hard to come by these days, aren't they? I think you, you, you've got to look at the central defensive market and, and wonder what the fuck is going on. Why aren't there any good central defenders? Did you see that we were linked with a central defender over the weekend? Was it the, the lad from the championship? Indeed. The chap from Bolton, Rob Holding is his name. 20-year-old mm. defender, Bolton's player of the year. There's all kinds of rumours that Arsenal are interested in bringing him in. And the uh, Bolton caretaker manager, who's also actually the caretaker, they're so short of money, um, <laughs> he said that he was instructed by the owners of the club or the people who have the club in receivership. Now, I'm not sure what the exact situation there is, but he was instructed to leave him out of the team. He was in the team on Friday and then out of the team for the Saturday game, leading to speculation that something was imminent, a move to Arsenal or indeed perhaps somewhere else, but possibly Arsenal uh, was, was being discussed at high levels and they didn't want him to you know, do a Welbeck. And uh, and scupper his chances of explode his knee. Yeah, I mean, look, Bolton off at bottom of the championship, having conceded eighty-one goals this season. So he sounds like the guy. He sounds like the guy we need. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how do you draw the distinction between hey, there's a guy who's got loads of practice at defending, like loads, literally, he's had loads to do, and it's like, oh fuck. I've learned so much on this job. I was thrown right in at the deep end. I wasn't much good at defending before, and now I've had to do so much defending, I'm fucking brilliant at it. That is true. His development will be accelerated. But on that basis, Arsenal's defenders should get much better much quicker. Fuck, there's that theory done and dusted straight yeah, away. that's it, because they certainly get a lot of practice. Um, well, look, he, I mean, he sounds like a, a, a Carl Jenkinson-y, Callum Chambers-y kind of signing, doesn't he? Someone who would be sort of for the future, slash the reserves. That worked out. I mean, those two have worked out really well. Yeah, they were both excellent at the weekend. <laughs> um, Callum Chambers put a lovely picture on his Twitter this morning. Did you see? Of I him saw just it. Some sunglasses or something? Yeah, red tie, that hair. He looks very smart. I don't know what he's up to. I know it's not playing football, I suspect but aside from that... <laughs> he's probably got a job interview at Asda or something. Yeah, <laughs> it looks a bit like that. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a handsome man, so... I'm sure his, his self-confidence is fine. Yes, yes, exactly, because that's how you judge somebody and that, that's where your self-worth comes from. It's that's how well you that's look. all I estimate people by. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So look, For the me, game. Olivier Giroud is still a top, <laughs> top strike. <laughs> hey, but he was good yesterday. I thought he was he good. He was good yesterday. The, the team, let's face it, the team performance wasn't great in general. It I was mean, another I, one Yeah, else. so it was a good result, wasn't it? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. A draw at Man City, that's all right. Unbeaten in eight? I mean, the stuff of champions. But I I thought the performance was pretty bad, actually. Mm. I think we were quite lucky we came up against a team who seemed to have plenty of problems of their own. Yeah. How, how are these the third and fourth best teams in the league? What's going on? Well, maybe it's because all the others are crap as well. They really are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I in yeah. I mean, in terms of pure footballing spectacle, I don't know that you could necessarily have expected much because, like you say, City mm. had their problems. There, I was a little bit surprised that they weren't a bit more aggressive, a bit, you know, 
bit more up for it, I guess. But then it's hard to it's hard to um, it's hard to gauge on the old up for itometer where exactly they were. Because they did have some moments. There was that, like, Aguero probably should have scored to make it 3-2, shouldn't he? Or would mm, that have made mm. it 3-1? I don't know. Um, when he ran on and put that left-footed shot just wide. Uh, yeah. From De Bruyne, who looks... I'm sorry. He looks like a boy who is on the cusp of puberty. And if you were to hear him talk, he would sound like that character from The Simpsons. You know, the one who's always like... Oh, hi. That guy whose voice is always just about to break. Also, it was stressing me out that he I wasn't wearing enough sun cream yesterday <laughs> during the game. <laughs> Honestly, but by the second half, he was bright red all over. Yeah. And you've got to be careful, guys. It's approaching that time of year. Yes. Skin cancer is no joke. We don't want any melanoma melancholy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> sounds like 24. A, sounds like a Radiohead album, that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's 24, apparently. 25 this summer. What a youthful-looking guy. I mean, I, I, I bet that if he were a normal person, like not a footballer, he would never get served in a pub without showing ID. No. Never, ever. He'd be like, I'm 24! And they'd Maybe go, come the... on! Maybe that's the secret of his football success. He can't buy f- cigarettes or alcohol. Mm. So he's in such better condition than, you know, yeah. most players in English football. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. I mean, it, it, what did you... I mean, where to start? So we weren't brilliant. Olivier Giroud was good, though. I mean, he scored his first goal. Let me just check the stats. Since For a January million years. <laughs> a million years. Um... um Yes, January 13th, Liverpool away. First league goal. Yeah. I, I was a bit worried when after we kicked off the game, when we passed the ball back to Koscielny, he he decided that rather than kick the ball, he would kick the air, and that put us under pressure straight away. I, I thought I, there was I, quite a lot of that from the centre-halves, quite a lot of sort of just lumping it up in the air, slicing it away. Yeah. Um, I wondered to what degree that was to do with not having many options in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, or just panic, or maybe they just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, get rid of it. Lump. Yeah, I was worried about that as well, because Shoney, he looked a bit punch drunk, didn't he, or, or just drunk. I, I did notice a few people say or, or wonder if he was actually drunk. I doubt it, though. He doesn't look to me like the kind of guy who consume a bottle of wine before he goes off to play football, and then before even stepping on, on the pitch... He uh, tries to do a keepy-up and lands awkwardly and sprains his ankle. Like, that mm. certainly didn't happen to me once on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon before yeah. I went to play five-a-side, and it was a nice day, so we sat out the back drinking wine. Um, that's the only difference between you and a top-level athlete. That's exactly it, yeah. yeah. That's the only difference. Uh, no, he, he, that was a bit troubling. Um, I felt like the midfield didn't really get hold of the game in any sort of uh, reasonable way. That sounds like it doesn't mean anything, doesn't it, get hold of the game. I just felt that we were vulnerable a lot of the time. Every time City went forward, I was anxious. Mm. I turned on... I, I Normally when halftime comes on, uh, I don't watch the the pundits talking because I don't give a fuck, really, sure. <laughs> what they say. But... I was sort of there watching Graham Souness, and he seemed to think that this was a gripping game of football. He was quite complimentary about both teams and about how hard Arsenal had worked. And, you know, I was going, what? 
this is so this is about? this is quite bad actually in terms of just pure football. Watching two teams, I mean, we could barely string f- five or six passes together, and I know there was a little bit of pressure from City, but not a huge amount. And it was like, why are they? Is this contractually? Uh, an obligation to talk about how great the game is. You know when they they play like Super Sunday and it's Stoke versus Aston Villa and after 78 minutes there have been no shots and then somebody hits a free kick and it deflects in in the last minute and they talk about what a brilliant game of football it was because that's what they have to do. It was a bit like that. It was. I mean, there was another strange moment I thought towards the end of the game where I think Niall Quinn described Arsenal as having been really, really good on the day. And I was like, I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. I I really want them to be really, really good. Mm. I'm not sure that's what I've seen, to be honest with you. Maybe he Um, thought we were really, really good at not being very good. Yeah, maybe. We were really, really good at being Arsenal. Yeah. Not necessarily really, really good in a broader context. I uh, I don't know. Is, is it churlish? Are we being grumpy? Should we be like, oh, 2-2? I mean, Arsene Wenger seemed pretty chipper afterwards but with the performance. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know? That's kind of yeah. where I was with the whole thing. Where it was like, okay, the two teams, City just been knocked out of the Champions League... Arsenal are trying to finish third or second. And the players, as much as we as fans can rationalise, well, you've you got to finish in the top three because then you don't get a Champions League qualifier. I think there's probably been a touch of demotivation uh, amongst the Arsenal players. And it's mm. not as if, really, that we've let our performance level drop over the last little while. It just hasn't been very good for ages on a consistent level it hasn't been very good City haven't really been very good maybe if you look at it from a neutral point of view it was quite a good game 2-2 decent goals maybe that maybe that's where um, they were looking at it but I think for, for uh, from my point of view anyway I can't speak for anybody else but there was a sense of like when it got to 2-2 I was like I'll take it just stop now just stop the game. I'm well, not really that interested in seeing the rest of it or what might happen or even if we can win it. Just stop it. Like, I'll take a point. That's fine. We can do what we need to do against Aston Villa next weekend and everyone's happy. And that's, Were you not looking at the, the league table and thinking three points might make uh, finishing above Spurs a, a more realistic possibility? No, not really. I mean, look, I, I'd like that if it happens, but uh, three points, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't even really thinking about that, to be to be honest. I did enjoy watching them lose against. Uh, I mean, that's been fun. The last that, few weeks. Yeah, that was quite good. They're seeing sort of implosion. Yeah, implode. Yeah, I've enjoyed that. Um, and it would be. I mean, let's be clear. It would be beyond hysterical if we somehow managed to finish above them. Yeah. Uh, in a, in the, given the respective seasons of the two clubs, if we were to still. I mean, I'm not going to talk it up because I, th- I still feel it's quite unlikely they are playing Newcastle on the last day, who are rubbish, mm. um, but and could well be down by that point. But I, I mean, it, nothing could be funnier, really. It would uh, be very funny, yeah. It would be it would almost, be funny. almost as funny as the way that John Terry's Chelsea career is coming to an end. Oh, I thought you might take some satisfaction from that. Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> it's, funny. It's, it's not the glorious farewell he he hoped for. No, I had to watch it this morning because I didn't see, didn't get a chance to watch match of the day. So I watched it this morning. 
Vito Minone, a couple of great saves for Sunderland. Yeah. Don he, Vito. He, he played well. And then John and Terry gets a, a yellow card and then a second one. And he knew. I mean, the second one's ludicrous the way he gets it. He throws <laughs> himself in completely unnecessarily. I don't know. Once upon a time, he might have got away with it, but mm. it seems people are wise to him now. And uh, that's it. The he, he bows out with a red card. No final uh, game at Stamford Bridge because he gets a an extra game, doesn't he? Um, because that's it's it, his second, second sending yeah. off of the season. So um, yeah, I mean, can't say I'm sorry to see him go. No. Anyway, back to our game. Well, uh, let's go <laughs> through the goals very quickly. Then City's opener. Well, City's opener, I should say, when I thought that when that went in, I thought the score could get really ugly. Like, mm. Arsenal started really slowly. And when City opened the scoring relatively early, I was like, oh dear, this feels like one of those nightmare games from a couple of years ago, you know, where we shipped four or five. Mm. And even when we then got an equaliser, I sort of thought this could be a really crazy end-to-end match. As it was, there weren't that many clear-cut chances in the game. But uh, first goal, I saw... Some criticism for uh, for Elneny on that goal um, online about sort of you know being turned a little bit too easily. What did you make of that? Yeah, maybe a little, but I think he, I think he pulled out of the tackle so as not to give away a penalty, which mm. perhaps mm. is a little bit sensible because if he'd gone steaming into Aguero and taken him down and given away a penalty, people would be just as mad or more mad. Um, but yeah, maybe a little bit, maybe he turned a little bit too easily. I thought our failure to clear the ball leading up to that was a bit annoying as well. Um, yeah, I, was that Koscielny or Monreal? Or? I can't remember. One of them. Fuck it. Basically, uh, we sort of headed it up in the air a bit, didn't we? Yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. Not a great clearance. And then I didn't really think an awful lot of Koscielny's attempt to uh, to block the shot. Got to be honest. <laughs> Just yeah. standing there with his, his arms behind his back. Just like a... Are you a, are you a fan of the arms behind the back, generally? No, I think it's a bit weird. I mean, I get why they're coached Felix to Sandros do Felix was one of the, the pioneers, wasn't he? He was, yeah. yeah. Because he got I, caught out for a handball once. Poor um, Philippe. I think he needed to um, he needed to do everything possible to give him the best balance. Sure, but, sure. Uh, and I don't I, think putting your hands behind your back is is that. No, the hands behind the back I could get on board with, but playing like he had his legs tied together was the the thing that really threw me. But, uh, yeah, so I I think Koscielny wasn't particularly good there. And then Czech, I mean, I guess guess Bina is near post on both goals. Mm. I think probably more... Yeah, we'll get on to the second one. So, okay, so the equaliser. Thanks, Gail Clichy. You're a pal. You are a pal. And that's uh, one of the reasons that we weren't particularly sorry to see him go, I guess. Um... And also, the marking from the corner, extraordinary for Manchester City. I mean, it was right out of the Arsenal textbook. Mm. It's as almost as if they've been studying the opposition, but the wrong way. That's it. That's it. Well, they did sign Clichy from us, and they did sign Colo Torre from us at one stage. So maybe their long-term plan, part of their long-term plan, is to emulate our set-piece coordination. Um but also, Elneny took the corner. Yeah. And I know that has been happening recently, but in my head, I don't imagine him as someone who takes corners. I'm finding it slightly odd. I don't know why. He just doesn't... He's too I don't tall. Think of, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy. It's something, something I would normally assume a creative player would do. I know that makes almost no sense, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I do know what you mean. But it's interesting, isn't it, that a guy who's come in relatively recently into the team has been given the, the chance to take set pieces. Like, he must have been like, hey, guys, look what I can do. 
check it out. You don't think of him as one of the more technically gifted players in the squad, um, but his delivery for, for that Giroud goal was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good header too. Um, I, I would say that he lost his marker, but I think the marker just lost himself. Uh, yeah, I think the the marker the marker was completely lost. I think he mm. had no idea. I don't even know he knew he was on the football pitch really at that point. I think he was thinking, um, "Am I really worth forty two million pounds?" I mean, that's an awful lot of money to pay for another human being. That's a huge price tag on my shoulders. I mean, if, I, he, if he had any brains at all, he'd be able to answer that question very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> instead, he was just stood around deliberating it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, difficult to, as much as I've been frustrated with him and I've <laughs> bemoaned his place in the starting eleven. difficult to be anything but pleased for Louis Giroud. I mean, that goal's been an awful long time coming. Mm. Mm. It is, yeah, a fairly unprecedented loss of form. Now, we know he's been a streaky goal scorer at times, uh, but I guess he's had a few assists in the last little, um, in the in the last uh, few weeks, hasn't he? You know, but still, strikers judged on goals, and it was about time he got one, and uh, a decent header it was too. So the second Man City goal, little, mm. little red-faced sunburn boy goes running through, running, 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 running. Nobody tackles him. And then he shoots and scores. This one, yeah, you might yeah. ask, where where Petr Cech was more more I than the other so. one. I mean, I, look, I didn't think the defending in the build up was great at all. Um, he kind of ran off the back of I think it was El, uh, El Bellerin. Bellerin was there as well, and then Gabriel really backed off, didn't he? I, I thought he sort of gave. De Bruyne too much room for the shot but it wasn't exactly ferocious when he unleashed it mm. and we have seen that a few times this season with Petr mm. Um apparently according to uh, Orbino he has conceded the most goals from outside the area in the Premier League this season a grand total of 10 maybe mm. it's not just in the Premier League I'll have to check uh, I'll just go and have out. a look here at uh, ba 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 Okay. A part of me wonders if, you know, is it just, you know, he is a tall goalkeeper, very tall, and is that an inevitable vulnerability of that style of keeper? You know, someone who is shorter, lower centre of gravity, perhaps got a bit more spring, they, they're going to find it easier to get down to those shots, but mm. they won't be able to dominate their penalty box in the same way. I mean, is it just a sort of question of, well, if you go with that kind of keeper, they they might not tick every single box. There might be areas where they are more vulnerable, and that's mm. something you have to accept. It seems to be down low to his right, doesn't it? At the near yeah. post, that seems to be the issue. The The stat is that uh, Petr Cech has conceded more goals from outside the box than any other goalkeeper this season. Ten. That can't just be bad luck, says Orbino. And it does f- feel like that's a, a little bit of a weakness. Perhaps it's you know it's his right hand, so that's his wrong hand. Uh, well, mm. making the uh, the assumption that because he's uh, left-footed, uh, he's also left-handed. Um, so maybe that is just a bit of a weakness. People have said that, well, Chelsea defended better and left him not as exposed as our defenders have done from time to time. And I think there's perhaps an element of truth to that, that uh, with certain goals that he has conceded this season, they've come from our own carelessness or, or not quite closing down the man as quickly as we should and making tackles. But... Yeah, I think he will be disappointed. You could see his face when it went in. He was like, oh, not this again. Fuck. 
Yeah, must be it must be a real frustration for him. Mm. And you know, I mean, he's still achieved 15 clean sheets this season, and generally been a, a really good acquisition. But that is an area that I guess he needs to work on. There is a long history of Arsenal goalkeepers being a bit vulnerable at their near post. Manuel Almunia, the the ultimate exponent of that particular art. I would mm. say. Yeah. Okay. So. Um... Our equaliser then came after, well, Giroud set up Walcott for a great chance. I thought that was a really good chance. Um, Are any of them great chances with Theo in this form at the moment? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's Um, a fair point. But I I don't quite know what he was trying to do with the finish. I'm not Um, sure he does really, no. It was odd. He he just kept uh, going in a straight line. Like, Theo, the goal's just to your right there. Just kind of dink it with the outside of your foot over the goalkeeper. You know, to, to to the right a bit, not straight on where the goal isn't. Outside of his foot. Come on. It's Theo Walcott. <laughs> Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Now, I know what you mean, though. He should have done much better. But that was a little through ball from Giroud. And his assist on the goal was absolutely brilliant, wasn't mm, it? Yeah, superb. I mean, you spoke about this last week where the wall pass from Giroud mm. is a tactic that we've used quite a lot and it hasn't been coming off. And I think for the most part, that won't come off because of the difficulty of of, uh, of creating something in, in those circumstances when you've got a big, strong £34 million central defender stuck up your ass. It's going to be difficult to to create those those chances. But when they do come off, it works so well, didn't it? Um, for uh, for Alexis, he just kept running, and the finish was superb. Like great from both of them, I thought. Yeah, it's a brilliant goal, a really brilliant goal. And Alexis's seventeenth goal this season, and you know, you know, I, I think we've said on here he's been nowhere near the player he was for much of the previous campaign. But given that he was out for three months, and given that it felt like there were at least two spells where he couldn't buy a goal, that's mm. a pretty impressive tally. Well, yeah, as I said in the blog today, if we're looking to improve next season and the guy who's had a bad season by his own standards has still scored 17 goals, I think that mm. makes your decision-making over who's staying and who's going uh, a lot more uh, a lot more simple, doesn't it? Like, he's got to stay. Got to. I think so. I think so. Are you... Is there any concern for you? There were some stories in, their week, in the week, weren't there, about mm. a bust-up with Arsene Wenger that I think Matt Law in The Telegraph said... He'd stormed out the stadium, and mm-hmm. you know the, the, it'd been frosty on the training ground. Do you think there's any any risk of him kicking up a fuss this summer? Maybe I don't know. Footballers are always capable of engineering a move away for whatever reason they might see fit. They're not happy, or if they're not settled, or if they decide all of a sudden that okay, I don't like this club or I don't like this coach. You know, there's countless reasons. There, the reasons could be that he's got a brilliant offer from somewhere else where the money is better and perhaps, you know, I, I, you just don't know. I mean, I hope, I, I really think that if we are going to make progress this summer and rebuild and there is an element of rebuilding uh, to what we need to do this summer, like you can't, you can't let Ozil or Sanchez go because they've, they've got to be part of your squad next season because otherwise you're just taking a step backwards to take a step forwards. Whereas if other players like Rosicki, Arteta, Flamini, etc., when they go... It's not the same. They're going, their their departure is inevitable. Their contributions have been relatively minimal throughout the season, so it's not as difficult to replace them. But with somebody like Alexis, like 17 goals, and he's playing poorly, whereas the other players in our wide positions haven't come anywhere anywhere near that kind of contribution. So, yeah, he's got to stay. Whether it's all part of the posturing ahead of contract talks, 
because himself and, and Ozil have uh, two years left each this summer. Maybe that's all part of it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a little bit worrying, you know, the stories where he's he's gone and uh, left the stadium before anyone got back to the dressing room. And mm. he knows better than that. Even if he's gone in a huff down the tunnel, he could be waiting in the dressing room and go, well, okay, sorry, whatever. But um, yeah, you, you can't help but be a little bit worried because um, yeah, just generally there's a bit of an atmosphere that like anything could happen um, with the players that we've got this summer. So so we'll see. What about you? Uh, I Look, I just think that you're absolutely right that the club can't even contemplate losing a player like that. I think it, it would have a resonance that would be bigger than you know the loss of just a, a mere, an ordinary player. Mm. Alexis and Ozil are kind of marquee signings that were a statement of intent on behalf of the club. I think to let them go at this point in our trajectory would be very dangerous uh, and feel like a a big downgrade, a big mm. backward set, unless you're replacing them with superior players. And to be honest, I can't see many superior players out on the market. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, that's the, the thing, isn't it? Yeah. We should be adding to the good things that we've got. Exactly. Not, not losing them and, and running to stand still, if you like. So fingers crossed on that one. Uh, and what else to note from the game? I suppose it's worth mentioning to the Danny Welbeck thing. That was a real shame. I mm. thought, yeah, I feel very sorry for him because I it he, it looks like it's bad and it looks like he knows that it's bad. Yeah, you could I think you could see straight away like in his expression, in his frustration that he knew that he was in trouble. Mm. Um and and on the replay you could see the knee kind of buckled in that in that ugly stomach turning way that you sort of think, "Oh yeah. god." Uh it was a little reminiscent of somebody said on Twitter the Theo Walcott injury against uh Spurs, you know, where he he didn't seem in absolute agony, but he absolutely couldn't put any weight on it at all. Yeah, um, and I think he has been a bright spot. I think since coming back in February, he's been one of the players who, I you know, looks in better condition, in better form than he was, to be honest, for for much of last season. Yeah. So, I think the Euros would have been a, a sort of nice, a nice reward for him. I know as Arsenal fans, it's not necessarily our problem in some ways we're probably glad if players miss the, the summer competitions but with an injury that bad that you know if it is as bad as we fear it could drag on into next season as well and that'd mm. be a major major blow again and it would affect also the planning um yeah for, for this summer so we'll look fingers crossed that it's not as bad as we think it is i think it'll be a real shame for him i feel very sorry for him if he's going to miss out in the euros because there's no question that he was going to be part of the the squad uh roy hodgson clearly likes him a lot um, but it's a massive part of qualification as yeah. well. Like England, probably the result that got England top spot in the group was when they went early doors away to Switzerland just after he would signed for Arsenal. And he scored twice in that game. It was mm. excellent. So he made a major contribution there. And actually, if you look at the three centre forwards we've got in the squad, uh, Giroud, Welbeck, and Walcott, if you had to put money on one to definitely be part of the squad next season, it would probably be him at the moment. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it's just a, a real shame, and obviously we hope we hope for some good news. But he is an Arsenal player, so mm. not not holding out too much hope there. No, no. Look, uh, and again, I think the player's own reaction is is quite telling, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, he. That's a situation where you can understand someone just walking down the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's all right if you're injured, not if you're just a little bit cheesed off with stuff 
in general. I think it was more than just the injury, wasn't it? I think he wanted to, you know, he just wanted to get off that pitch because I imagine he's feeling absolutely, absolutely gutted. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, look, we'll keep fingers crossed for Danny Welbeck. Um, and we'll leave it there for part one. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two. All right, welcome back to the Arscast Extra, the start of an epic week of Arscast Extra-ing, reminding you again that the show is sponsored by Cornerstone. So if you need to shave, whatever bits you need to shave, whether it's your face or your bits... Arms. Yes, whatever, chest. You could be a cyclist. You could be one of those really baldy, streamlined cyclists or swimmers. Swimmers don't have very much hair on them at all. Do you think? Head? Do you think swimmers could evolve into completely hairless creatures. Maybe, yeah. They could sort of become a subspecies. Mm. That'd be weird. I mean, I'd say hairless would be the first thing. The next thing would be gills. Have you seen Waterworld? It'd be that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever bits you have to shave, shave them better and more efficiently with Cornerstone. Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. Get £10 off your first order and uh, you can choose all the cool shaving stuff they have there and it does help support the podcast. So thank you very much indeed. James, we're going to do the uh, predictions. Predictions. Ah, predictions. Okay. How far did we get? I guess we got to uh, the Man U Leicester game. Yeah. Man U- oh, Chelsea Spurs. Chelsea Spurs. Did we talk about that? Did we talk about that? When was that? That was last Monday. So, no, we didn't talk about it on here. So, no, we, we, we didn't. don't know our predictions. Okay, but... my predictions were. Okay, I'm going back. So, that's three games. So, it's games. going to be Tottenham's Thrin Ultimate game. Thrin Ultimate. Thrin Ultimate. I predicted a loss. For Spurs? Yeah. Okay. And you predicted a win. Ooh. Well, we were both wrong. We were both I wrong. I was more wrong. It was very enjoyable, very enjoyable fair altogether, I have to say. Wonderful scenes. Yes, Wonderful indeed. scenes. Um, and then we had, what was the last Leicester game before the one at the weekend? Manchester United. Well, we did that one, didn't we? Manchester United. We both, we, predicted, we both predicted a Leicester loss in that game. And they drew. And then we both predicted a Leicester win against Everton. And they, they duly delivered. Yeah, so what's the situation with the table at the moment um, in terms of... Uh, terms of points and that kind of stuff let me just bring it up here because we had some final predictions on points um so my uh final prediction with leicester was 78 points and they've already already superseded that with 80 yeah and your prediction brought leicester to 80 points and that that's happened so there we go so if they lose at chelsea Next week, I'll get. I'll be bang on. Well, the predictions we made for that game, I predicted a draw, and you predicted a, a defeat for that one. So that's what we're predicting for the weekend. Now, okay, okay. Tottenham, your predictions, James, had led Tottenham to a points total of seventy-eight, and they're only now, on seventy. Well out of reach. Well out of reach. Well out of reach. Uh, what did you predict them? Uh, I predicted them to get 72 points. I mean, again, an impossible total for them to attain, yeah. but only because you can't get two points in a game. Yeah. So uh, for the last game against Southampton, you predicted a win and I predicted a draw. Again, both delighted to be wrong in that yes, instance. Yes, absolutely. You pretty much... So what have we predicted for... For Arsenal. 
No, no, no. For Spurs to do next week at Newcastle. Both of us have predicted a Tottenham win. Damn. Right. Well, actually, we're quite bad at this. Yeah, so we're really shit at it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's looking good for Newcastle. Okay, good. And then the Arsenal um, totals that we had predicted. Uh, for yesterday, I predicted a loss and you predicted a draw. Hello. Wow. This guy knows his stuff. You're uh, really good What our points totals? Yours was 74 for Arsenal. No chance that we're getting anywhere near that. No, it's, it's actually impossible unless we get double points. Some Could happen. Reason. Is Aston Villa? Yeah. If you score more than fifteen goals, you get double points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's what I, I play. I predicted seventy-two. Oh, you could be very close. Mm. Now our predictions for the weekend. I predicted a draw against Villa. I don't know what was Can going you on there. Yeah. Imagine the, the imagine the lap of gratitude or whatever it's called. <laughs> yes, I, I can actually imagine after a draw with Villa. <laughs> and you predicted a win. Oh. So there we go. We'll see, we'll see what happens. The lap of appreciation for the Manchester City players and manager was a bit... Um, Tepid. Oh, God, it was kind of toe-curling, though, as well, because they interviewed Pellegrini on Sky for a couple of minutes, didn't they? Or they cut to the, to the interview, and it was like, well, there's about seven fans left in the stadium, and Samir Nasri looking like some kind of, I don't know what, with his torn double denim, long-shirted thing going on. Like, what does he um, look like? He looked like Samir Nasri. Ah, oh, that's gross. It's about as bad as it can get. Yeah, it was bad. So I think these things are a bit, they're a bit contrived, aren't they? I think if you win something and you like wander around with a trophy, that's good. But I don't know that there's necessarily any real need for players to to thank the fans. Do you think the players are going to be in in the mood to thank the fans? Probably be like go, walking along, you know, sticking up fingers at people and going "fuck you" and a bit of mooning and all that kind of stuff. Olivier Giroud just walking around the edge of the pitch with his hand cupped to his ear. Yeah. Where, while Mikel Arteta proudly parades the community shield at the front. Yeah, Giroud, uh, Giroud uh, wearing his leading scorer for the season T-shirt. Up yours. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. I Someone know. Wheeling, wheeling Danny Welbeck around. Yeah. I, I, I do worry. I mean, no, I mean, look, it, um, l- let's see it as an opportunity to thank... You know, Arteta and Rizitsky yes. for their contributions. And Matthew Flamini for saving the world with a new energy resource. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. It goes beyond this season, particularly for Arteta and, and Rizitsky. Um, it would be nice if, if they got some, some props. And obviously, if they got a chance to, to play in the game, that would be good too. Can't see them starting, but um, I think uh, they'll, they'll probably be on the bench. Which would be yeah, good. Yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about that later this week. Quite yeah. an interesting team that we might see on Indeed, Sunday. indeed. All right, so will we get on with questions? Let's, let's. Have you got any lined up? Uh, okay, here's one from Ben Gorman, at Ben underscore Gorman. And he wants to know, if you could ask Arsene Wenger one question that would get a long, honest reply from him, what would it be? Wow. He's turned the tables on us there. Thought we were answering the questions. Now we're asking them. <laughs> um, uh, Yaya Sonogo, why? Or <laughs> what really happened with Park Chu Young? No, I think I would have to say it's got to be something about. It's tempting to ask about what the, the truth of the financial situation was in the immediate aftermath of the stadium move. Mm. Um. 
I think we're getting more and more on that. I feel like Arsene, as he comes more under fire, lets slip more about the reality of that scenario and the constraints that were placed on him. Although there is a slight element of moving the goalposts about that. Yeah. Um, you know, because really what you what you want to ask is 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 why why the team isn't as successful as it was. But we've heard a lot of his excuses and reasoning for that before. Mm. Excuses is quite an accusatory word. But um, I can't think of a, a succinct question that, that could nail that, really. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's so many things that you could ask him. So many things that have happened down the years and uh, over the over the lifetime of, of uh, him at Arsenal... There are just so many things that you could say, well, what the fuck, how, why, what was the decision-making there? Why was that decision made? So it's difficult to find specifics. Yeah, I mean, the real question is one that I don't think he can answer or he would answer, which is if this squad, as you continually say, has such incredible reserves of mental strength and such a fantastic attitude... And such a, a depth and variety of talent that you insist, it, you know, that it does possess. Why can it not match the achievements of your squads of a decade or more ago? Mm. Um, however, I'm not sure that's a question that Arsene. Well, he has really... to answer it. It's, it's an imaginary situation, and he has to answer it. So that's it. We torture. Well, him that's until what I would answered. ask him. Yeah. He, he, I, I would torture him until he answered. I think. Yeah. What about you? What would you? Ask I what think Bora Primarach really does. Or? No, I think I would probably w- want to understand why he's unwilling to take risks in the transfer market. That this right. inherent need for value or to protect the income or the, the the money that the club has to spend it well and spend it wisely. I mean, I think there's something hugely admirable about that in a way, because you want to, if you're going to go out and people throw out words like five million, six million, as if five or six million pounds isn't a huge amount of money. I know in football terms it's not, but when you you step back from it, still a lot of money. But I do wonder why he hasn't been prepared to, to spend money that isn't, like it's not his, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's the club's money that has been earned and this is something that he's always spoken about is that, you know, there's been no injection of uh, transfer uh, uh, funds from two billionaire owners. There's been no sellout to uh, an oligarch. There's no oil money coming in. There's no sugar daddy. And Wenger has always been a club should spend what it has. And I just would like to know why, as the cash reserves over the last number of seasons have built and built and built why he hasn't found a way to spend more of of that money to improve the team, not just for the sake of spending money. I'm not advocating that. I don't think anybody uh, would really want that. I mean, okay, there are some people out there who just want that. I know, we we know that, but I'd love to know what the the reluctance is about. Mm. So whether it's Mm. he doesn't see value or whether he doesn't feel that players are worth what, 
you have to pay for them. But then, you know, it's the market that tells you what you've got to pay, not what you consider your price tag or what you think a player is worth is arbitrary. Somebody else is going to come along and pay $25 million for a player that you only think is worth $15 million. Sorry, but he's worth $25 million. That's what the market says. So I'd love to, I, that would probably be the thing. Okay, well, let's try and get him on the show later this week. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure he's not doing much this week anyway, so... It's only Villa at the weekend. He's got a lot of free time. Yeah. Um, okay, let's have another question. This is from Ian Stone at Ian D. Stone, and he asks, can a season where we might finish second be considered a total failure, and does it constitute progress? Oh, fucking hell. Um... <laughs> Can it be? It's a really difficult one because you would say we finished third last year, we finished second this year. By any measure, that's progress. Mm. But I think having lived the season and experienced the season, watched the kind of football that we've been watching, seen a team that has struggled for any cohesion and fluency, seen football which is pretty much at odds with almost everything we've seen over the years with Arsene Wenger in terms of how his team is supposed to play, uh, systems that don't work, players that don't fit together. It's very difficult for me to say that this would be a season of progress. Uh, a season of total failure, well, again, we've, had, we've ended up without a trophy. We've not competed properly for the title again. And if that's where the measure of expectation is, like it's not a failure compared to Aston Villa, but the standards that we set and the standards that we expected at the start of this season, I think it has been a bit of a failure because you have to view things within the context of your own experience, within the prism of Arsenal. Like by by Aston Villa standards, of course, it's not a failure. You finish second in the league. Every Aston Villa fan would swap everything that they have to to change places with us. But that's not the way it works. You can always find some kind of justification for it being, oh, well, it could be worse. There's always that possibility. I think by having won the FA Cup two seasons in a row, having mm -hmm. shed that nine years of not winning a trophy, that monkey that was on our back, we got rid of the monkey and then we kicked the monkey in the bollocks and we fucked the monkey off a cliff. We got rid of that monkey. And then we had this squad of players who've all experienced winning something. Good young players have come together. We've added some experienced uh, quality talent, some world-class players to that. This should have been, for me, the platform to go on and really, really, really challenge for the title this season. Not talking about having it won by now, maybe just going into the final day of the season where you have a chance where it's in your hands or even if you're reliant on another result, you're going into the final day of the season to win the title, to have a mm. chance of winning it, and we didn't. It was over by fucking mid-February, practically, because of the way that we slumped. So I think by the standards that we've set, yes, it's been a failure, and even if we finish second, I don't think it's progress because... Although the league table will tell you one thing, what we've seen tells you something completely different. I think you're right. I think as further, I mean, it's not always possible to compare different seasons, but in terms of the pure points tally, we'll be behind where we were last year. Mm. Um, I think, yes, obviously, second place. I mean, we haven't got second place yet. Let's be clear about that. Uh, I guess that would be a step forward in some respects, but we haven't won any silverware we haven't been particularly close to it um 
and the quality of football and the sense that this is a team going places, I think, is is significantly diminished from where it was 12 months ago. Yeah. Uh, and that's the main thing. I don't think it's possible to come away from the season with a great sense of optimism, whereas actually last year and the year before, there, there was, to an extent, there were things to feel good about. Um, they feel like less of those this time around. Yeah, it feels like uh, this summer is going to be more difficult because of the way that this season has gone, whereas last summer you went, OK, well, look, we brought in Ozil in 2013. We brought in Alexis Sanchez. Uh, we brought in Petr Cech early in the in the summer, and we've won the cup two years in a row. I mean, there's something to be said about you know getting into the habit of winning and not having those doubts, that self uh, that self doubt that 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 permeated through this squad. And we saw it in you know uh, Capital One Cup final or Carling Cup final against Birmingham. You know this this ability to to implode, to self-destruct, to not be able to cope with the pressure and even the way we won the FA Cup the first year okay we put ourselves in a shit position but we showed the character to come back into it you're thinking okay this should be like right move on from here then you destroy I know Villa were shit but you destroy a team in the FA Cup final and and last summer should have been should have been a real chance for us to kick on and instead the decisions that he made saw the team stagnate to a certain extent and that, mm. that's been apparent in the way that this team has played football and, and the way that this season has gone. And I think, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about, well, will Alexis stay and will Mesut Ozil stay? That's, that's not where we should be. We should be going, how are we going to add to these two guys? How are we going to add to the... And, and really, the, there's perhaps an element of firefighting to what we need to do already this summer. So, yeah, again, no, it's not, one, not a season of progress for me. No, nor me, nor right. me. So there we go. I guess right. uh, an emphatic answer. Over to you. Uh, over to me. Okay, well, we talked about him earlier. This one comes from Fuad, at Swanson underscore Fuad. And he wants to know, what's going on with Chambers? He hasn't played much all season. Do you think Arsene has him in mind long term? Hmm. Uh, I mean, the problem is, you know, we've got four centre-halves and fundamentally you only ever need two and, you know, to start and it's difficult as a fourth choice to get many games. That's why it's hard to get a quality fourth defender and Arsenal have found that in the past where they've had to keep the likes of uh, Sebastian Squalacci on even though he was in dire straits really because who, who do you sign who's prepared to come in and play that role? At least Chambers is a young player with years ahead of him. Yeah. However, the, the concern is that if he doesn't play, he's not going to develop. Um, I mean, I wonder almost if uh, if if Arsenal had the requisite depth, could they send him out on loan? I don't know if it's something we could have done this season, given that you know we don't have that many defenders. But he he needs first team football, I think, if he's going to kick on and become the player we hope to see. Because at the moment, he's nowhere near contention, is he? No, he's not. Um, and we couldn't send him out because we needed him for cover at right back. After Debussy oh, left, true, of course, yeah, uh, we needed him for cover at centre half in case anything went, you know, seriously wrong there. And it has been known in, in the past that that uh, we've had we've had some defensive uh, injuries. I, I, you know, I think it's a bit strange because he's looked. I don't remember him playing badly this season. There was maybe one half. Was it against Liverpool really early in the season? And he played. Oh, he had such a such a bad half of football that we were all thinking. Oh, I wonder will he take him off? I wonder will Liverpool he take him home, off? Yeah. It was Liverpool at home. And he came out, and to his credit, he had a much better second half. 
Um, he came on against Leicester uh, after Koscielny went off at halftime, mm-hmm. and I thought he played really well that day. I know they were down to 10 men for, what, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes of that game as well, but still, he played pretty well. He came in. I don't think he's played badly, per se. Um, I, I just wonder if Arsene Wenger is reluctant to use him for, I don't know, maybe he sees more of him in training than we do. But, I you know, I... I think when he first came into the team, when he first arrived, you remember that summer 2014, uh, some great games in preseason, some really good games early on in the season, and we all said, holy, holy shit, this boy looks like a real player. He's yeah. really got something about him. And I don't know that he he's, couldn't have lost that, could he? But perhaps, again, the lack of playing time has seen him stagnate. Well, he took a re- his confidence took a real knock around sort of November time, didn't it, when he was playing at right back after Debussy's injury. And he, he actually really struggled there. I always think back to that Swansea game mm. against Jefferson Montero and how difficult he found that. Then Bellerin sort of came into the side instead of him and secured the right back spot. And Chambers, you're right, he's had good moments since then, but he's never, he's not been on the sort of cusp of the first team as he was at that time. Mm. Um, he is still 21, though. And I do think for a centre back, that's a particularly young age. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've seen Arsene Wenger's been burnt in the past. We talked about Senderos. Uh, we could talk about Juru as well. He's been burnt by throwing defenders in too early, maybe, in their career and that not quite paying off, them not being ready. Um, it's just a conundrum, isn't it? Because you, you do want them to gain experience and improve, but you don't necessarily want to be uh, victim to those them learning those lessons during the 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but there is no way around it, really. I mean, eventually you've got to throw him in. He doesn't seem unhappy, so I do wonder if there has been communication or certainly a plan put in place for him that's justifying his lack of playing time this season. Like He doesn't look like a guy who's um, complaining or moaning. He seems content and happy enough at Arsenal. He's posted some nice pictures on Twitter. Um, so he's not sulking or he's not off social media or any of those things. So maybe there is a plan that's something yeah. in the longer term um, you know, might see him move up the pecking order this summer. I, I, I don't quite know. But uh, well, yeah. He, he has time. He has time. You know, if you think about sort of young English centre halves, you're seeing a guy, John Stones, he's 21. He's making an awful lot of mistakes at Everton, um, despite his obvious talent. And it's putting him very much in the spotlight. It's putting him under scrutiny. If he was doing that at Arsenal, if Chambers was having a similar experience at Arsenal, the attention would be amplified even more yeah. know, because of the, the size of the club. And then you look at, say, at Manchester United, the way someone like Chris Smalling has developed. He's kind of having his breakout season, the first year where he looks like he belongs, really, as a centre-back in a, in a team that big. He's 26 years old, you know? Yeah. And Chambers is still just 21. So he's got plenty of time to develop. I just think patience is important. And I guess, in his case, his own patience will be key. Is he prepared to wait, to bide his time, to play the cup games here and there, maybe to go on loan at a certain point if Arsenal have enough depth, mm. uh, to then come back and be you know, be the centre-half we hope he can be? Because there's no doubt that the raw attributes there are, are good and are promising, and we've seen glimpses of the, the player he could become. I just think... Expecting that to happen anytime soon is maybe a little unrealistic. Mm. Okay. There we we'll, are. We'll wait and see. Um, we wait and see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the centre-half position in the summer as well, because yeah. it, at the moment it's not there's not really a clear first-choice 
pairing for the first time in in years, really. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not necessarily convinced by Gabrielle and Koscielny together. I have to no. say. Nor I. There's a touch of the Vermalans in Koscielny. So. <laughs> yeah, and um, in both of them as well. So, um, and I, you know, I think Gabrielle has had his dodgy moments, but so too has Koscielny. So, I think trying to find that balance that worked really well between Koscielny and Mertesacker will be um, will possibly be one of the things he's got to look at this summer. Mm, mm. Let's have this question. I guess okay. this relates to the summer as well. It's from <coughs> at Guna underscore DS, and he says. Giroud may have found his form again. Does this lessen the need in Arsene Wenger's mind for signing up top in the summer? Well, uh, I don't know what Arsene Wenger is thinking, but I would hope not. We'll I ask would, him later in the week. Yeah, we'll get him on, yeah, because he's not doing much, just Villa. Um, we're so going to lose to Villa now because of that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I think one of the things in the press conference even the other day he was asked a question about, you know, whether the the lack of a a really efficient front man had played a part in Arsenal not doing as well as was expected this season, and he acknowledged that. He said, "I've said that, you know, um, I would be quite happy to to keep Giroud as a plan B, but not as the first choice centre forward." And I think he's a guy yeah. who can still be relatively effective. He's got twenty one goals this season. You know, it's not yeah. a terrible total of goals. It's just this spell when you consider he had he had 18 goals on January 13th. And then by whatever it was, May, yesterday, May 8th, he still only had 20. Mm. That That's obviously colouring people's opinion of the season that he's had. And mm. that's fair enough. I understand that completely. But I still think that if you want a, a squad... Um, where you've got genuine options, I wouldn't have any real problem with him staying. But what I would like to see, obviously, is somebody better, more efficient come in. And I think Arsene Wenger is looking for that, but I don't think he's necessarily just looking at it from a striker. I really think he's going to go after a wide forward this summer. Right. I think that and a striker is probably where he's... He's going to be looking. Yeah, I mean, look, as great as Iwobi has been, it, it does tell you something that uh, I think he might be 20 now. 20-year-old 20 player has been asked to regularly perform in those three players behind the, the centre-forward, you mm. know, uh, at the expense of the likes of Walcott, Chamberlain, Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Welbeck, even, to an extent. Yeah. So, so uh, and uh, as good as Iwobi's been, I, I think it would be naive of us to say that there, there might not be an upgrade out there, someone who's more ready to play regularly right yeah. now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that will definitely be an interesting one to watch. I I always slightly fear when uh, a player produces a bit of form at the end of the season. I mean, we saw what happened last summer with Theo Walcott. Hat-trick on the final day, goal in the cup final, £140,000 a week contract and Arsenal don't sign a striker in the summer and we're rewarded with a... a fairly dire season from Walcott, yeah. you know, I think it's five goals and, you know, something like three and 30. Or, yeah, you know. I don't think it was for the lack of looking for a striker, though. I, I think if we'd been able to find the right striker last summer, we would have we would have brought him in. Well, I mean, it's, Possibly, it's yeah. trying to find it's trying to find that player, though, who is the guy that can come in and add that bit extra to to this team? Who's the who's the player? 
Did you see that we were linked with a, a guy from AZ Alkmaar? Uh, AZ Alkmaar, Vincent Janssen? Vincent Janssen, yeah, 21-year-old. Mm. Suspect yeah, there's a so bit I'm... of uh, agent tomfoolery going on here a bit, but he 28, 28 or 30 goals this season. Uh, young Dutch prospect, been there well, before. I mean, we... We have indeed, and he's like uh, Robin van Persie. He started his career at Final Rotterdam. Um, mm. They released him, I think, at nineteen. He would drop down to the the Dutch lower divisions. Dutch Jamie Vardy. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, actually, in the style of play, there's a there's a little bit more of the kind of Harry Kane. He's very two footed, very very hard working by all accounts. Um, Keeps his mouth open all the time. Mouth constantly open like a Venus flytrap, just mm. you know, waiting for something unfortunate to, to crawl in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you do wonder. I mean, there's there've been comparisons with uh, Ruvan Nisseroy. I don't know. I mean, look, it, it's one of those where that's a gamble, isn't it? But mm. it's difficult to name the forwards that Arsenal should go out and buy who are ready-made. We've had this conversation many times. Arsenal might have to take someone who has the potential to be a world-class striker and hope that they can blossom at the Emirates Stadium rather than go and get someone ready-made. Links to Daniel Sturridge over the weekend sound like bullshit to me. I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, I I do think he's absolutely top class, but I'm just not sure his body's up to it. But when did that ever stop Arsenal signing a player? Well, I mean, I think... If we are going to spend £30 million on a striker, which is a lot of money, I think you need to you need to be more sure that this player is somebody who can stay fit. And I thought there was something quite telling about what Jurgen Klopp said about him um, when he took over. He said he needs to learn between what's, what's pain and real pain. You know, the, the implication being that, you know, he's a, he's a bit inclined to give in to the injuries, whereas other players perhaps will play through the pain, as most of them do. Um, they've all got something going on to, to one extent or another. But I think his injury record w- would be absolutely, for us to spend that much money, given our injury problems, it would be absolutely crazy. I think he's a, gra- yeah. I think he's a really, really good striker when he's fit. But the whole when he's fit thing, we've been there, done that, worn the T-shirt, set up a T-shirt shop, sold T-shirts to everybody else. And now the T-shirts have been donated to an orphan's home and they're being used on babies. And we, we're about to spend £30 million on those T-shirts. <laughs> I don't know why the T-shirts are being used on babies. I don't know where that... don't know what the... They're probably too big, a lot of them. There would be that, blankets then. They're blankets for babies. That's that's how the t-shirts are being used. Okay, but uh, you know, so you, you think that's a no go. Think that's a no go. What about um? What about going back? What about going back for Gonzalo? Ah, he's had an incredible season, you know. Yeah, uh, he's had a, he's been quite heavily linked with Chelsea, I believe. Um, let's have a look at him. Twenty-eight years old now. Mm-hmm. He'll be twenty-nine in, in December. Right. Thirty-four. Starts in Serie A, 33 goals. In a league where it's sort of infamously difficult to reach that kind of total. He's the first man in 10 years to score over 30 goals in Serie A. Wow. He's not doing bad for himself, is he? Mm. I mean, he's a, he's not a guy who's going to spend five years at the club, but two good seasons scoring 25 goals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's younger than Giroud. Just about. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be cheap. He's not going to be cheap, but he is ready-made, I guess. Yeah. 
he's one of the few who you would come in and be like, well, he should be good to go from the off. Mm. Um, and we were certainly interested in him, weren't we, back in the summer of 2013, I believe Sure, we certainly were. We certainly were. We still have a... <laughs> Until Real Madrid wanted a couple more million pounds. And Arsene Wenger went, nose. no. Yeah, <laughs> furious. Why, Why Arsene? It was a very strange one, actually, wasn't it? Because there was a lot of noise about it and a lot of talk... I guess from the Higuain camp, but every time Arsene Wenger was asked about it, he was pretty cagey. I think maybe he, it felt like a deal that, you know, he sort of knew he should be interested in because it was a good player on the market, but it never felt like he was particularly sold on it. Mm. Yeah, I do wonder. There's a story there somewhere for sure about how that whole thing went down. But uh, maybe he's the guy. Okay, well, look, we're we're heading towards the end of the show, so I've got one more question for you. Okay. Um, and this one comes from James Black, who is at Rex Thunder. Nice. He, and he wants to know, despite all of the death and chaos, would you still consider going to Jurassic Park? I absolutely would. Yeah? I mean, I'm going to the Euros, and I'm a bit worried that that's going to be quite dicey. Oh, are you going? Uh, you know, You're going I'm, over? I'm going. I'm going to two games. I'm going to England, Russia. Right. And I'm going to Ireland, Sweden. Woo! Ireland, yeah, Sweden. Yeah, that's right. In my Sweden shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But I would definitely go to Jurassic Park. I, As a kid, I loved dinosaurs. I just couldn't get enough of them. I wasn't aware of the danger. But then as a child, I also once went and played with an alligator in Florida uh, and poked it with a stick, not realising that it might kill me. So How, I'm not the best person to ask. What was it about the alligator that made you think it wouldn't kill you? How old were you? I was about 10. Right. So at that point, was... you should be perfectly aware that alligators are prehistoric killing machines, essentially. I knew they were snappy and sort of, you know, I, I could see the teeth, but they looked deceptively slow. They sort of looked like they're sort of fat and lumbering. And it was on a golf course at this lake, this alligator, and I went. I had a Canadian friend who I'd made on this holiday, and we went with a stick and we poked the alligator. And then a man saw us doing it, and he told me that like their sprint speed is something remarkable, like they're as quick as a horse over the first five yards or something. So I much, stopped... Much faster than you. Well, I mean, I've never run more than 5K, as discussed. I mean, I'm no <laughs> athlete. So I... I um, I stopped poking the alligator then. And do you know what? I haven't done it since. But I would go to Jurassic Park. I wouldn't take my poking stick with me. I wouldn't be so foolish as to play that game with a T-Rex. But of course I would. Imagine. I'd love it. I'd, I'd like to see that bit where they lower... You know where they, in the film they lower the sheep or whatever into the yeah. pen and it just gets mauled? I'd like them to do that, but with... I don't know, John Terry. But do you not feel that you don't necessarily have the profile to survive Jurassic Park? You're not, James, with the greatest of respect, you're not Jeff Goldblum. No, I mean, I've just sneezed because I've got hay fever. I'm a sickly child. The chances of me surviving Jurassic Park, given how prone to accidents I am, are slim to none. Yeah, slow-running guy with a stick. That's That, that would be Who your casting. Who keeps sneezing and rubbing his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work. I mean, I'll probably get done by an electric fence or something, you know, before the dinosaurs even get to me. Yeah, death by dinosaur. I'll get hit by one of those little buggies. Yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, but I, of course I want to go. Would you want to go? No. It's full of really fucking dangerous animals that shouldn't be alive at the same time as us. 
Don't want to fuck around with nature and evolution. I guess so. You see? I guess and so. And I, you know, I'm very much of the opinion that if I can stay away from danger as much as possible, my life is better. That's why I've never wanted to be, a, I think we talked about this before, never wanted to be a boxer because I don't like it when people punch me in the head. You see? Oh, yeah, I know. My granddad was a boxer. It's his birthday today. I oh, just remembered. It? 80 years old. There you go. Brilliant. And he was punched in the head a lot. He was. still going strong, so... You know, don't don't write it off. I'm not saying it's not for everyone. And uh, happy birthday <laughs> to uh, Granddad McNicholas. Thank you. Yes, that's but, um, great. Yeah, we had quite the, the weekend. I hadn't been to an 80th birthday party before, but this one was off the chain. So much fucking cocaine at those parties. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm. Um, I would go. I want to go. If, if, if someone can make it happen for me, mm. let's do it. Yeah, no, not for me. Thanks very much. I'd I'm- be riding the dinosaurs. I would, if there was a T Rex riding option, I would go for it. I mean, why not? You're only going to, you only live once, and then you die. Yeah, and I might as well die at Jurassic Park if I'm going <laughs> to die anyway. Well, fair enough. I applaud your bravery, and uh, I will and my stupidity. Yep, yep, and I'll record a nice memorial piece for you here. On the Do you podcast. go on roller coasters? I have done. I don't like normally. We don't have very many around here. Sure, but I but have. You're done. not like. Would you be risk averse with them? Would you be like, oh, that looks quite fun, but if I fall off it, it will be bad. Um, no, because I suppose I've only been on. I think where I can't remember somewhere in Germany or Belgium. I was and I did right. one, and it was quite a good one. It was quite a fast one, but I haven't been on one for ages. And then mm. the more the older I get, the more I become convinced or less convinced by people's ability to make things safe. Like, you know, if you see, it probably hasn't happened to you yet, but sometimes you, you look at a policeman or policewoman or a doctor, and they're so young, and you're going, how the fuck do you, how do you know how, how do to do anything? Know? You can't keep yeah, it safe. At least they trained recently. It's the ones who are really old and sort of didn't did their studying fifty years ago and have probably forgotten it all. They're the ones you need to worry about. <laughs> okay. At least That's it's fresh in point. their memory. They've they've revised for their exams recently. Yeah. yeah. They know where the heart goes and where the brain goes and all yes. that stuff. And the red things connected to their wristwatch, etc. That's it. Oh. And anyway, Andrew, you don't need to go on roller coasters because you support Arsenal, am I right? Yeah. It's a hey. it's a roller coaster world of football we live in. Exactly. And a roller coaster week ahead of us. Indeed. All right, well look, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for listening, everyone. We will catch you tomorrow. Wow. Wow. Tuesday. A goodly Tuesday. A goodly Tuesday. Until then. Bye bye. <laughs>